Welcome back to the Defining Moments podcast. On today's episode, we continue our eight-part series on leadership through adversity with Senior Chief Tom George, CEO of Quarterback Impact Academy. Today, we dive into core principles of leadership with Senior Chief George. This episode is brought to you by CMM Financial Services. At CMM, we know how hard it is to find someone who knows and cares enough to create the tax and wealth plan that you deserve. After walking alongside hundreds of clients for the past 20 years with accounting, bookkeeping, tax strategy, and financial planning, we have created a proven system to help you reach your financial goals. CMM has your complete financial team to reach your financial goals. Book a call at cmmfinancialservices.com. Adversity, intense, loved it. I got the same feel, leadership. It's the second word that I think of. Who are some people you think of when it comes to strong leadership and decision-making, and how does decision-making affect leadership? Um, I, you know, I think... I think there's a couple ways, right? So, so specifically, who in my military career? You mean? Yes. Um, I, you know, some of the people I alluded to, obviously, is, uh, you know, Chief Flip Padilla, Chief Sidney Smith, clearly, um, um, you know, Captain Turner, Commodore Turner, um, most recently, uh, Captain Brabazon, who was my commanding officer uh, before I left the military, and of course, my Shady Eight guys, Brian and and, and Bobby Falls, are are leaders that that I've always looked up to and learned from. Um, but you know, I, I, I think we, we learn from everybody in a, a, a different leadership way, right? Like, you know, I, I've learned, I've, I've learned leadership tools from, I think we should all learn leadership tools from just about anybody you come across. And when you talk about decision-making, I think you need to ask yourself as a leader, what about me first? And and hear me out real quick. I don't mean what about me selfishly. I mean, before you make a decision, a conscious decision as a leader, what about me to me means look in the mirror real quick, okay? So self-check. So decision skill, decision-making skill number one for me as a leader is always to reflect and self-check. Because before I move on, I, I want to make sure that I'm not the problem, okay? And, and then when I've identified that, how can I be the solution, right? So when I've identified that I'm not the problem and I can actually help be the solution, right? Then we gotta figure out what, what the problem was and then how do we take that and move forward productively, right? Um, and, and you know, I, I I'm not an angel, right? I, I'm, I will react like everyone else, okay? I, I've had a lot of times that I've been volatile in reaction and, uh, and I'm getting better and I've learned from it. And uh, I, I think I, a couple years ago, I met a yoga instructor um, that I was hiring to do yoga at one of the gyms I was at. And she looked at me and she, she called me Coach George and she said, if you, you don't ever have to do yoga with me, but one thing I want you to learn is just breathe before you react, um, and, and I think, I think that that's something that everybody needs to learn. Is if you just breathe before you react, and you consciously understand what your reaction is going to be, 
you got to make sure that it doesn't create more harm because sometimes we react and it really just creates more harm than good. So I, I think that's always the key to, to those decision-making skills as a leader is understanding that take a breath, figure out the situation, and then your reaction after that situation needs to be a reaction that's going to create solution, but not more harm. Um, you know, so for me, it's self-accountability um, and, and, and realizing that take a step back before you just immediately react. You know what I mean? Yes, sir. And I don't even know if that was the, yeah. the answer you're looking for, but. Senior Chief, let's talk about service. At what point did you feel you needed to serve your country? And what went through your mind? Could you, could you describe what you envisioned service was going to look like? Yeah, I never, uh, I never thought, I, I was, okay, first of all, I was always compelled to serve because I felt like um, in high school that I had a unique ability to, to lead. What's weird though is I, I also have the unique ability to follow. And, and I will kind of touch on that here in, here in a little bit. But so I was compelled to serve uh, because I was compelled to lead on a larger scale. I honestly don't know if I was capable, but I've always been a young man and now an older, young, uh, older man that like I, I, I need more and, and service was something that I needed uh, uh, for me to prove that, that I, I could accomplish that level of leadership. Uh, but yet hopefully for the good, I, I mean, I, I didn't, I didn't know that my goals were to, to impact young people at that point in my life, but I knew that I wanted to do more. My stepdad and dad were, were servicemen, um, and that was compelling to me. And uh, so I thought service was, was a place where, where I can do that. But like I said, at the time, it was, I, I never thought I'd be, at no point did I think I would be a retired senior chief 25 years later with the stories and, and, and locations I, I traveled worldwide. At no point did that cross my mind. I thought I'd join, get some college credits, um, spend some time in combat a little bit, and then maybe get out. But I never, at no, I, at no point did I ever think I'd be who I am today, mm. uh, honestly. Or no, I'm not even sure at that point I thought it was it was worthy of me even thinking I could, I could be in the shoes that, that I retired in today. You know what I mean? So listening to your story, let's dive into some leadership topics. This year we're going with the theme leading through adversity or leadership through adversity. And we've been inspired by you, Senior Chief. So thank you for that. And thank you, brother. What happens to leaders when they are met with adversity? Well, I think a couple things happen, right? Uh, I, think, I think first, um, and I don't know if we're getting into it, but first where it starts is you have to learn to follow in adversity. Um, and I think 
I think when you learn to follow in adversity, you'll learn to lead in adversity. And, uh, you know, everybody wants to be a team captain. Everybody wants to, to be a CEO. Um, um, some people have political, um, admire politicians. I feel like everybody has a little bit of leadership in them. But I'm not sure how many of those people want to lead when it's hard. Um, I'm not sure how many of those people want to lead when, when you have to fold an American flag and, 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 and salute it and hand it to a mom and, and tell her that you're sorry and that you failed. Um, but that is an absolute example of leadership. Um, so, you know, for me, um, I think accountability and followership are aspects of leadership through adversity. Um, and I've always said any, all great leaders are willing to follow. I am always willing to follow. However, if you don't lead me, I am going to lead you. Um, and that's kind of always been who I am. And uh, I think when times get rough, you have, to, you have to lean on your values as a leader. Um, you have to look in the mirror to check yourself. And then you have to dig into solutions or ways um, you can fix whatever adversities you're dealing with at the time. Um, but I've never thought it was as hard as we make it. Um, and, and, and I don't mean to dig into politics, but I mean, this whole, this whole societal um, attack and direction on gun control versus, you know, bad, bad people killing good people. And, um, you know, that's a great example of leadership, right? Um, in adversity, okay? Because every news channel and every politician wants to react immediately. Mm. And the reaction is, let me attack everybody else's agenda so my agenda stands out. Right. Okay, that's not leadership. That's reactionary negativity, right? It causes no good. All it does is cause harm. Okay, so to me, that's how you fail at leading. Okay, and that's why we, we have so many leaders in our country that have failed at leading is because their agenda is to react to, the, to, to everybody else's um, attack instead of sitting back and looking for solutions and working with possibly people you don't like to find those solutions, right? At the end of the day, if you're a good leader, you'll put your ego to the side and work with somebody that's not necessary in your lane to find solutions to things that are bad, right? Mm. But nobody wants to do that, right? Because number one, people lead with an ego. That's why the CEO has to tell his employees that he's the CEO. Um, they know that clearly, but he wants to reiterate that, right? Because mm -hmm. he's got an ego. Um, and that's why politicians are cowards because they truly don't want to help people or lead. They just, they just want to attack everybody else's agenda that's not their agenda. Mm -hmm. So at the end of the day, we're only hurting each other, not making each other better. If they truly wanted to work together uh, or make this country better or find solutions and deal with adverse situations in leadership, they would actually work with people um, to make things better instead of attack people uh, based on immediate reaction to things they really know nothing about. Mm -hmm. and, and I think that's societal driven, right? Sit back, breathe, figure it out, 
do a little research. How can you possibly make it better and and make it better? Like it's very I've always thought it's simple. I've never understood why Washington, D.C. makes it so hard. I, I honestly I honestly don't understand. And uh, and by the way, this is not a left or right who's better conversation because sure. they both have issues. Um, so, you know, for me, leadership's always been easy. And if 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 you put people first, if you put your voters first, if you put your players first, right, then you'll probably find a solution. I've always believed that players win games and coaches lose them. A lot of coaches don't like me, don't like to hear me say that. Okay. Mm -hmm. But I've always believed that. Prepare your team better, coach. I, I don't know what else to tell you, right? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Maybe you should coach better. Maybe you should hire better assistants. Like, check yourself, self-accountability. But at the end of the day, um, you know, I, I've always believed that, that there's solutions to everybody's problems. You just got to work together and, and, and spend some time figuring what those out, figuring those solutions out. Um, sure. As a senior chief, have you ever been on a, you've been on missions, but have you had a time when you were going through the mission with your group and someone's like, hey, senior chief, I have a, an idea I want to bring to you. And then they come up with an idea. And what's your reaction to that? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we've, <clears throat> okay, so when you're in the tactical center, uh, and without digging into it too much, but when you're in the tactical center, you have an intelligence team that are really, really smart analytical people, right? Um, but they're analytical people, right? Mm -hmm. So they look at, they look at the landscape, they look at the tactical picture, they look at the, the agenda, the goal, and they say, here's the mission, here's how we want you to attack the mission. Okay, then, then we come back and say, um, we feel this is a better way to do the mission. And then internally, if there's input um, from young people or other people on the crew, at that point, um, it tends to get to a discussion, right? Now, there's a rank structure in the military, okay? I've always been a, a leader that's opened my ears. I've never been a guy that didn't open his ears. I've always leaned towards allowing my people to fail before I shut them down, mm -hmm. meaning, okay, let's go with your recommendation, but if, if it fails, you're gonna learn from it, right? And then you're gonna accept accountability. But we'll recover because we're going to have a solution, right? Because mm -hmm. there's always plan A and then plan B and C are there in case plan A doesn't go in, right? So I've always been a guy that wanted my, wanted my sailors and athletes to, to be a part of the investment, right? Like, like they should reap the benefits of the investment too. It shouldn't just be me standing on a pedestal saying I did everything, right? It should, your young people should reap the benefits of the win. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, yeah, so I've always I've always been open to challenging conversations, but don't get it wrong. I mean, uh, the the military is not a a democracy of voting. If 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 I choose to do it this way because of the safety of the crew or the team, that's the way we're going to do it. Mm -hmm. And 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 we leave the room with the same voice. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. How do you instill strength and courage in others as a leader? And can you give examples of when someone instilled these characteristics into you? Yeah, uh, no, it's uh, leadership like coaching. 
um, is belief, right? Leadership, like coaching, is instilling belief, right? I think instilling belief in young people, uh, maybe not young people, right? Instilling belief in people and then allowing them opportunity um, leads to success and courage. It gives them courage to be able to 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 accomplish things and to move forward, right? Uh, I'll give you an example, right? I've had I've had uh, three quarterbacks this year have broken collarbones, right? Um, and then my my discussion with them was, okay, so what's the end goal here? It sucks. We we've accomplished that. It sucks. Now what? Um, you can lay in the hospital and and feel sorry for yourself, or you can show up to practice and watch film with your teammates and get on the sideline and, and talk about areas in the game that you can help and you can still be a part of that team. And then, and, and then you can go to practice and you can do things that are gonna make you better. So when you're healthy, you can come back and, and be a better player. Um, and I, so I think, you know, I think when you believe in people and, um, and you show them that belief, and then, like I said, you take a step back at times and allow them to lead and give them opportunity to fail, you have to give people an opportunity to fail. Mm. Um, see, the problem in life is we, we, we're afraid to fail. Well, that's the problem. The key is allowing people to fail because where there's failure, there's growth. If you don't fail, you'll never grow. The only reason I've grown is because I've failed so many times. And if you don't take a risk and you don't reach, you're never going to fail. And again, without failure, there's no growth. And people that go through life without taking risk or or hiding from failure every single day, typically don't reach that level of greatness they want to reach in life because they're stagnant, right? Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, so so that, that's always been my belief in instilling instilling courage in, in, in young people, man, is, man, letting them know that you believe in them and letting and, and giving them opportunity to, to grow and lead. And, and, you know, I'll give you a quick example. A good friend of mine, Mahalo Wiggins, man, uh, one of the greatest strength coaches I've ever been around. We had the opportunity to coach high school football together last year. When we're in the weight room, you're in charge, Coach Wiggins. The second we leave the weight room, Coach George tells the players, Coach George, right? So, uh, Mahala doesn't need me to instill courage in him, but what 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 we've accepted is in the weight room, you're, you're going to lead the team. Mm -hmm. But as soon as they leave the weight room, I'm back to leading the team, right? That's followership versus leadership. So. Yeah. So I think those are things we have to teach young people. And, and to be honest with you, we have to teach parents too, because sometimes they don't understand that. Yeah. Yeah. As you're talking about that, I'm thinking of transfer portal and collegiate football. I feel like that's changed the landscape of outs for any position in football. Yeah. It's almost like where you don't want to stay and fight for position. You're just like, hey, I'm, I'm out. I'm leaving. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah. I. You know, I lean both ways on that, kind of, um, and I haven't, I, I don't think I've gotten soft, but, uh, um, you know, some kids end up in really bad college situations. Mm -hmm. I know that for a fact. Um, college coaching is not the most honest job in the world. Um, um, 
And unfortunately, you're talking about a grown man who's making hundreds of thousands and millions of dollars that's talking to an 18-year-old kid, right? Mm. Um, the 18-year-old kid is pretty vulnerable because he's waiting for a grown man to say one thing, I'm offering you a scholarship, right? So he's, he's selling the Kool-Aid pretty good. Mm. Well, what, he, what that young man doesn't realize is as soon as you accept that scholarship, you're, you're just a number now. You're no longer the young man that I was begging to play for me. You're a number. So the next young man becomes the next young man. Mm. And then when he's done, he's another number, right? So then we have 80 to 90 young men sitting in a locker room who all were somebody special at some point for this coach making a ton of money, right? Mm. And now he doesn't need them anymore, okay? So yes, is there a problem in this country with people bailing because they don't want to compete or stick it out? Absolutely. Is there a problem in this country with, with grown men who are not honest of high character leading our young people? Absolutely. So it's a totality of a problem. The problem with NIL is we opened up a door with a solution that's gone, that's gone crazy, right? Mm -hmm. it, it wasn't baby steps. It was just like, hey, let's open up the door. Now everything's going through the door, right? So they don't know how to bring it back. Whereas they should have scaled it. They didn't mm -hmm. scale it. They just opened yeah. the door. You know, they could have opened it slowly, right? Sure. That's not what they did. So I, I think there's a, I, I do think in society today, we have young people that do not want to fight and compete. However, um, I, I think it goes both ways. Sure. And I've always said, um, and I don't mind saying it because I, 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 I have, am close friends with people in the military. Um, society and our military is very similar today. If you think we're going to storm the beaches of Normandy today, you're crazy. Young people aren't doing that today. When I, when I, when I raise my hand and put it on a Bible and, and said the oath of enlistment, I would have done anything for this country. And I would have taken as many bullets as you were willing to shoot at me for this country. Young people aren't doing that today. And, and I don't mean to be rude, but that's the honest truth. Service is, is false if you're not willing to fulfill the service um, you said you would. And, and when you say the oath of enlistment, um, it's against all enemies, foreign and domestic. You obey the orders of the President of the United States and the officers appointed over you. It, it doesn't say you will only obey the President that you like. It doesn't say you'll only obey the president who's a Republican or Democrat. Right. It says, the oath says you will obey the president of the United States of America against all enemies, foreign and domestic, and the officers appointed over you. That's what it says. It doesn't say you get a choice, right? So, unfortunately, um, I, I'm not even sure service is the same as it used to be. Mm -hmm. And those men and women that came before me that were in Vietnam and, and Korea and, and, and Germany, um, that's a generation we will never live back. People talk about the pre-COVID generation. No, nah. that generation of, of men and women that fought, that had pride, that, uh, that worked, um, that's a generation this country will never see again. Um, and, and it's unfortunate, but you know, um, th the answer is in young people. And, mm. and, 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 and I, try to, uh, I try to instill that in young people every day. I really love that, Coach. Thank you. You speak often about starting every day with purpose. How do you define purpose? What does purpose look like for you? And how do others start doing this tomorrow? So I think, uh, first of all, purpose, I think, and it doesn't mean I'm right, but I think, I think purpose changes. Um, it could change every day. It could change every month. It could change um, during the day. Um, 
but I, I'm, I'm a firm believer in waking up in the morning with a sense of urgency in your life. Um, as I see you post, it encourages me. Um, it honestly frustrates me when people um, wake up in the morning. And don't get me wrong, right? Sometimes we don't get enough sleep. We're tired. I get all that. That's all I want to talk about. But sometimes, sometimes people don't realize what their energy does to, to those around them in the room, right? So we wake up with a bad attitude. We go to work with a bad attitude. We go to the gym with a bad attitude. And at the end of the day, we've given over 300 people a bad attitude. For what reason? What, what, what was that purpose? I've always wondered why, why we sit around and just mope and, and act like victims over the littlest things, but have no care in the world on the people around us. And it's selfish. And so for me, purpose is making sure that I don't do that, first of all. And, and like I said, we've all failed at it. We've had bad days. But if you can try, if you can try to understand that, that your energy affects the room and that the goal is not to, uh, you can have a bad day, but let's not give everybody else your bad day, you know? Mm -hmm. And so I, you know, I think my purpose is to, uh, you know, I got a lot of fire in the morning. It probably, it probably drives my house crazy, but I got a lot of fire in the morning. I, I, I have a routine. I drink coffee in the morning. Um, um, the beautiful lady that, that, that lives, lives with me, that lays next to me, Shelly, um, you know, she gets up every morning at 4.30 and goes to the gym religiously with conviction. I, I've seen that, that lady sick the night before and get up and go to the gym because that's her purpose, right? Because she wants to start the day that way. And, and it's, it's motivating for me because of her discipline to do that and her, her inner strength. And, and, you know, so my purpose today is different. I mean, um, these beautiful young ladies in this house have given me purpose. Um, I used to be really tough. I used to be a tough guy and, and, a, and a military guy. And I saw things differently and, and you know, I, I haven't softened, but I have an understanding of life and empathy a little bit more. Um, and this blended family that's come into my life has given me that. Um, and this pretty teenage blonde that that is sassy and sets me straight and 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 I love her to death and and her sister and her brothers and 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 being around Shelly who's like, I never thought in my existence of life I would find a woman that I respected through strength, courage, and perspective the way I did my mom and sister, and, and I do, and Shelly. She's, she's strong. She's fire. And, uh, yeah. and she doesn't put up with me at times, and, and, and I need that, though. So, you know, so for me, that, that my, my purpose today is to, is to wake up every morning and, and make sure that these young ladies and these young men that are my blended family today know that that I will protect them and I'll love them and I'll, and I'll, I'll be who they want me to be in this household and that when I, when I go to train and I'm around my academy that I want those parents to know that, that Coach George is who we want in the lives of our young people. And, uh, and, and that's my purpose, man. Mm -hmm. Everything else is, is a bonus. But... 
if those people are good, man, I'm good. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? The phrase fellowship and leadership, I feel like has come full circle in this household. Yeah. 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 I think so. Yeah. You have an amazing family and you're right. Shelly is fire. Yeah. <laughs> She's fire. Yeah. As a leader, how do you define culture and then how do you build a culture? Yeah. So I, I think culture is one of the most overstated word um, in the dictionary today. I think it's used so frequently. It's become false hope, to be honest with you. And mm -hmm. I think college coaches and CEOs use it kind of like, uh, what is your, uh, what is your motivating, uh, what is it? Hammer the ship or what do you, what do you say? <laughs> what is the, uh, anyway, we'll oh, back. keep chopping wood, keep chopping wood. Right. <laughs> it's like, Jesus, how many motivational speakers are going to chop wood? But, uh, um, you know, I, I think the problem, here's the problem with culture. And, and by the way, this is, this is, this is in my eyes, right? The problem of culture is the person, the person who creates and dictates the culture for that team or company controls the culture at first, right? So if your CEO complains about culture or head coach, the problem's probably him because he's the one who established the culture, right? The, the third string quarterback doesn't establish culture. Like, like the, the male clerk in Chesapeake doesn't establish culture. Like, what do we, we keep fooling ourselves. And the problem is CEOs, um, um, I, I guess, uh, yeah, and, and, and head coaches that complain about culture just haven't looked in the mirror yet because the problem's probably them. Mm. Um, so the establishment of culture has to be an establishment from the top down. And sometimes the top doesn't get it, but everybody down does, right? And uh, so I don't think you can establish culture until you figure out who's, who's, who's the person establishing the culture. Now, there's, there's a misconception and a false, you know, there's a false sense of, well, you know, I'm at the bottom and I'm going to fight and climb the mountain and everybody's going to follow and establish culture. That's not real life. That's, that's like, there's rainbows and stuff. That ain't real life. Okay. It's culture is established at the top and, uh, in the military, the commanding officer is the captain of the ship. If the ship sucks, it's his fault. I've always believed that if, if in QB impact, if my athletes <clears throat> act like buffoons and they get bad grades, it's my fault. I've always believed that. Yeah. And, and, and I wear it on my sleeves, right? If my coaches don't know how to act, it's my fault. Leaders don't want to take accountability for the culture of their company. They just want to blame everybody in the company, although they're the ones that established a culture, right? So um, unfortunately, in today's society, most leaders of big companies and, 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 and teams and things like that, it, 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 it comes down to courage and they don't have the courage to identify their problem. And that's why the culture is bad. Um, the problem is when you fire people under the head coach and then realize the culture is still the same. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like that's, I've never understood that. Right. I mean, let's go back to, uh, OU. How many times are we going to fire all of Lincoln Riley's assistants? <laughs> you know, I don't mean to get into it right now because obviously they're struggling, but at the end of the day, like for me, culture is not wins and losses. Um, it is in America. America thinks that if your team's undefeated and the coaches are douchebags, it's okay. Mm. Or the players right. do heinous things. It's okay. We're undefeated. Shut up. Right. Yeah. 
we're winning. It's okay. Like, that's not right. Winning and losing has nothing to do with culture at all. Like, there's a lot of great leaders of men and human beings that are on six and four teams. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. what, like we get caught up in this fanatical stance that we don't realize that what we're doing is we're encouraging bad behavior. And unfortunately, in this country, it happens every single day, right? I cheer for this team, and this said player uh, just slapped a girl on ESPN, but they're undefeated. It doesn't make any sense to me. Mm. We, we tolerate bad behavior. Mm-hmm. Um, so for me, like, culture starts at the top. Stop firing everybody in the middle. You want to fix the program, fire the guy at the top. I mean, but, you know, but that's my opinion. I also live in a structured environment where the captain of the ship is responsible for the ship. If you're going to put my name in the paper, you better hold me accountable when things fail. Sure. You know what I mean? So yeah. culture is more simple than, to me than, than, than most other people, but accountability is also simple to me. And unfortunately, it's not that to a lot of people. Yeah. Well, I, and I agree with you, Senior Chief, that culture is uh, overused, overstated, and too broad. Yeah. Oh, not, yeah. Not very, very defined. Sure. And there's a lot of contradictions in professional sports, too. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to give you a quick example. And I'm sorry. I, I know yeah. we've got to move on. There are, I have a, uh, a seminar that I do, and uh, it's about culture. And I found, I found pictures of, of boards in Division I college locker rooms, 10 different Division I college locker rooms. It's a value system board. So it's hanging in their locker room. It says the values of said team. I won't name the team, right? And the top two values... The top two values are don't do drugs and treat women with respect. Okay. So I've always had a problem with that. Right. And, and my problem with that is that's your value system. How about that should be your standards in life coach. Your standards for your team should be not do drugs, treat women with respect. Those aren't values. Okay. I'm not kidding. There's 10 division one and there could be more, but after I stopped at those 10, like Google it, value system at said division one football team like it's and we wonder why kids act the way they do yeah baffling to me yeah you know what i mean should be a common sense type of thing but standards man standards yeah Yeah. treat people right thank you for tuning into defining moments podcast we hope you enjoyed episode six of leadership through adversity next week in part seven we dive deeper into leadership with senior chief george For more Defining Moments podcast content, visit our webpage, www.undefeated.show. Follow us at Def Moments Pod on Twitter and at Defining Moments Podcast on Instagram.